with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it's a somewhat chilly Wednesday morning out there, out our, out our second story windows, which we'll be enjoying for another couple of weeks before we move into the ground floor downtown at uh, what was uh, Hubspace. But, uh, we've got a full show today. Let's get to it. On the phone now with Trista Spencer, the Executive Director of the United Way of Northern B.C. Did I get the title correct, Trista? You did. Good morning. Good morning. Now, question I always like to ask, and I think I've asked this to you before, but I'm going to ask it again. Northern B.C., where exactly do you guys define Northern B.C.? Well, a lot of people are quite familiar with the Northern Health footprint, so mm-hmm. we actually follow almost the identical footprint. So we are really from Quesnel all the way to the Yukon border and to the West Coast and to the Alberta border. So we cover a, uh, a large region of over 600,000 square kilometers. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> and so now you guys have been really busy the past few months during COVID, because if I remember correctly, the United Way was one of the primary funding groups, uh, fed, I guess you could say funneling federal funds through the people who needed it. That's right. So we actually handled, uh, we, we handled through the, the initial pandemic relief, three different funds. We're actually still in the process of, of uh, administering uh, one of those funds, as well as continuing with our own local community support fund. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we um, we were very grateful to be the recipient of that funding because one of the things that was recognized was that uh, United Ways across the country actually have a, a, a fairly good hold on what is required in their regions because they really work locally, which is exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Our whole team is really passionate about making sure that we're looking at what are the local issues to each community in northern BC, and how can we take that funding and make sure that we're filling gaps that aren't being filled by other resources, especially during this pandemic? And I'm thinking one of the other advantages the United Way has is you know almost all the other community groups serving in your area as well, so you can help them more directly because you know who they are and what areas they serve. Yeah, it's really it's a really unique place to be. Actually, we we hold a, an interesting place in in the community in that we don't provide a direct service, but we essentially provide a direct service to the nonprofits that do. So it really gives us that advantage of being able to understand what other agencies and what other resources are are in each community. So so like you said, it it really gives us an understanding uh, that perhaps not a lot of other organizations do. Um, and we have the pleasure of working with a lot of these agencies over the course of the year on many different types of projects and outreach. And it's, uh, it's an exciting place to be, but it, it's, also, uh, it's also a tough place sometimes because we hear how much need is out there. And, uh, and we can only provide so much and uh, do our due diligence with uh, the funds and things that we are able to put out there and um, make the most of the donor dollars that we do receive. Now, as you were being given these funds by the federal government to distribute locally, were you finding groups that you hadn't really heard of before who were coming forward asking for funds? Absolutely. Uh, uh, One of the very interesting things about all of this outreach was uh, I would say that we probably did what would equate to a year's worth of outreach in about a two- to three-week span. (laughs) 
So it would uh, be just trying to rapidly respond to what the requirements were. So one of the really fascinating things was is we really typically heard from probably 78 to 80 agencies across the north on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. But the, the, uh, the advantage of having this type of funding allowed us to really start to reach every corner of the region. And we actually heard from over 200 agencies. And... Uh, we're able to start to get more educated, and we learned a lot about what's available in, in all the different smaller communities and how we can possibly support them. Um, and probably not surprisingly, we did actually start to hear a little bit more from our First Nations communities mm-hmm. that are in are in the region because the pandemic really adversely affected them, uh, whether or not they were actually seeing cases or not. But a lot of their communities went on lockdown immediately, and... Um, you know, restricted travel, therefore restricting basic needs like food and, and, and so on. So trying to find a way to support each individual community and their unique needs was uh, a, really, um, a really interesting and challenging opportunity, but uh, we certainly learned a lot. Now, I think you were saying you're still working on distributing the funds from the third uh, fund that you were given from That's the federal right. government. Is there any word on whether there may be more funding coming? You know, we we hear things from time to time. We were honestly somewhat a little bit surprised about the second round, so that was really refreshing to see that there was still a bit more money coming for the region uh, and for our vulnerable. Um, but, you know, we, we'll never stop hoping that there will be more money coming, especially for the sector itself. Uh, we certainly see the challenges that nonprofits are facing with the fact that most of them run based on donations and grants. And a lot of those, uh, those streams of funding have been drastically reduced. So providing services becomes a challenge when you don't have the funding to do so. So we're, we're hoping for, you know, of course, the combination of, um, of helping our vulnerable, uh, you know, boots on the ground, helping people where they need it most, but also finding a way to help those nonprofits that are running those programs and perhaps some sort of um, sector, sector stimulation uh, funding that will allow them to continue functioning in the most meaningful way. From what you've seen over the last few months since the pandemic started, since the federal government started uh, funneling the funds through you guys at United Way, are you seeing some of the groups that you've been dealing with starting to get their feet back on the ground and starting to be able to say, okay, I think we can take it from here? Yeah, I would say yes. I would say there's probably, I, I don't know if anybody's really at that place where, you know, to, to what you said about, you know, I think, we, I think we're good now. But I do think that the funding has done something that's really critical, which has helped them adapt to this new way of operating. So whether it's something simple as that one-time cost of getting hand sanitizing stations, putting plexiglass up, uh, changing a doorway to accommodate no touching uh, things that people weren't really even having to think about before, that they're quite significant expenses to put out, but they're one-time costs. So a lot of those are, are the things that have, you know, been really easy for us to go, this is very related to the pandemic, this will help them continue operating or, uh, ex- you know, move from closed doors to open doors or increase their ability to support people. So it's that has been a really good outcome of the fund itself. Um, when it comes to perhaps some of the smaller ones that rely on volunteer support and, and things like that, or 
There are organizations that are helping vulnerable who might have uh, severe medical issues, so they, they have to, you know, you know, buying groceries for somebody with severe medical issues means that you can't actually go in and see them um, because it, it's dangerous for them. Um, there's, been some, there's been some difficulty with some of the more vulnerable, um, which is certainly what we try to focus on, uh, uh, demographics that, you know, I think they need more support. I think that's, I, I don't think it can end here. And I think we, I think we all know that the community is always in need of support, but there are some very standout populations that, that need some ongoing support until we find our way through this critical period. Now, one group that has always been there needing support are the, uh, the drug addicts, the yeah. alcohol addicts, stuff like that. And you guys are, the United Way has a game this year, put up the Tree of Light. And I think this year, that's the focus, isn't it? Is the funds that you're raising are going to go directly to those types of programs. That's right. Yeah, we decided, uh, we as a team got together and, and said, what did we learn from, from this last year and the outreach that we've done? And one of the things that really kept coming up and has, has actually spiked over the course of the pandemic is addictions, is drug overdose and abuse, um, which actually has many other causal issues that come with it, which is things like food security and, and so on, uh, employment issues. Um, and they also have other issues that come along with it, like the spike in domestic abuse uh, that happens along with those things. Um, we're seeing a lot of that all coming together around this crisis that seems to be not going away. Like we're, we're really, I think as a society are struggling to know how to handle this. And so what we really wanted to do was, you know, be, do our job, which we believe is be a voice for our Northern BC communities. And, and one of those things is to find a way to, to talk about this uh, difficult issue and bring some attention to, to what's needed, but also what's already available. You know, if, if you're struggling, how do you get support and what's already around I mean, there, there are agencies and, and programs that have been around for some time that could provide people with the help they need before it gets too far. So, so we really wanted to find a way to, to help in the way that we can with that issue. So, uh, so we really discussed as a team that this would be the most meaningful focus for these, these funds this year um, because they would be in support of, of many communities that are really struggling with this issue um, and, you know, I, I think one of the things that really struck us is, especially during the pandemic, around all of the North, we were hearing these stories of, of these demographics that we actually hadn't really considered before as being vulnerable populations for the uh, drug abuse and overdose and uh, um, mental health and addictions type uh, area. And, you know, we're talking about um, uh, people, you know, the you know, working, working parents who are just struggling, um, with life and, and, um, and the one that struck me the most is a story from somebody in Dawson Creek about, uh, her, the seniors they supported. It was actually the seniors that they were supporting that were actually coming in with these really, uh, stark drug issues that, and, and one of them passed away during the pandemic due to an overdose. And, um, that's just one of many stories that we've been hearing. So, um, in some ways, we, we feel we have a responsibility around those, those things to bring them out of the, the darkness and find ways to talk about them. 
Um, but I do want to add, with the Tree of Lights, we're really excited because we also are trying to create a bit of a more traditional atmosphere around it because this year, as we know, is nothing but nothing mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. about this year. So how do we find a way to make the Tree of Lights warm and fun and a little bit of a Christmas party, you know, throughout the month of December while we enjoy the tree, but we also we also uh, raise some funds for something that's really critical for our region. So now the, the tree is up at the uh, the Coast Hotel by APA. Yeah. Uh, now, I know in the past you've done different things in terms of actual lighting up the tree. Like I seem to recall in the past, sometimes it would be if there was a donation when you hit this figure more lights would go on. Right. Are you doing that again this year, or is the tree lit already? No, we are definitely doing that, okay. uh, because I think that's part of the, the excitement of the event itself, is that, you know, as we reach certain uh, certain um, milestones, we can actually light more of the tree up. So it's really, and it's really exciting to be able to, you know, through a donation, you know, buy a bulb or buy a string of lights, and even though to some degree they are... Um, you know, it's because of the the type of lights we use. It's it's not as easy just to light one bulb anymore. But um, it's uh, it really represents something tangible that people can donate to, where they can say, "I'm purchasing a bulb for the tree," mm-hmm. and uh, it creates a little bit of excitement around the tree itself. So, so this year, yeah, we're really excited that we're we're going to instead of just a bulb. Lots of people want to donate more, but instead of just the $5, they want to donate a bit more. So we're also selling strings of lights. Ah. So uh, instead of the $5 for a bulb, it's $100 for a full string of lights. And those are things that we actually can light up once we, once we sell them. So, yeah. So I guess that brings us to the next question. How do you donate to the uh, Tree of Lights? Well, we are going to kick off the event uh, probably about a week later than we typically do, uh, just because we, we shifted the campaign this year just because it's all going to be all virtual. But we have a new uh, landing page for our website that makes it really easy to donate. So it's UWTOL, as in United Way Tree of Life.ca. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really easy just to go to that page and make your donation online. But, of, of course, we're always available to take donations at our office. And the coast will be available to take donations as well. And uh, really, at, at any point, we are are grateful to take any donation anybody wants to give. And and uh, we have some exciting things around uh, potentially having some prizes for for donating early. So if you do want to make that donation, any time is great. Uh, we'll definitely make sure it goes towards the tree. Now, and Trista, if people just want general information on the United Way of Northern BC, where do they find that? Well, we are we're very active on social media, so you would just look up United Way of Northern BC. Um, I, social media is not everybody's favorite, so I, we certainly have a, a really robust website that provides a lot of information, uh, and that's uh, unitedwaynbc.ca. And, uh, and, of course, our entire team loves to talk to people and talk, uh, talk about the community and, and the passionate work that we do. So uh, you can certainly call us at 250-561-1040 or visit us at our new office location uh, in Prince George, which is really exciting because it's really accessible, uh, on 15th Avenue. So we're in the Powerhouse Plaza, which is the big black Powerhouse Plaza by Value Village, and it's 1675 15th Avenue. And, yeah, we have a sign. You can find us now. So oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Trista Spencer, Executive Director of the United Way of Northern BC, thank you very much for bringing us up to date on what's been happening and what's going to happen. 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Okay. We are going to take a quick break and be back with more after 9. Kickstart your Sundays with some heavenly music from Songs in the Chapel. Sunday mornings day on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Join me, Corey Walker, as to fill your home with the sounds of great gospel music. I feature a wide mix of traditional gospel styles, including country, southern, black, and bluegrass gospel, as well as some worship and contemporary Christian music. Inspiring message from Heartbeat by the Salvation Army is featured in every show. That's Songs in the Chapel, Sunday mornings day, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello from Tops and Bottoms. We are now seeing our clients by appointment only. Please wear your mask too since the fitting will not allow for much social distance. To make an appointment, please visit our website topsandbottoms.ca or Google us and find the book link. You can also call the store at 250-614-1553. Tops and Bottoms at the corner of 2nd and Victoria. You want it, you got it. Boston Pizza is bringing back some traditional BP classics. For a limited time only, Smoky Spaghetti, the Pizza Burger, and the Bacon Double Cheeseburger Pizza, to name a few, are back in action. Take advantage of this menu special by popping by either great location. You can also order online at bostonpizza.com through Skip the Dishes or give them a call. Boston Pizza Spruce Land and Boston Pizza Brookwood. Open daily at 11 to serve you. Boston Pizza. Stay safe, Prince George. Forecast from Environment Canada, a mix of sun and cloud today. Wind from the north at 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon. A high of minus 1 with a wind chill to minus 10. Tonight cloudy with a few flurries, gusting north winds continuing. A low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 14. For Thursday, a few flurries in the morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind to 15K, a high of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. The Inspiring Women Among Us is starting, I believe it starts today, runs for about a week in Prince George and around the area, and of course this year it's around the world, really, because it's on the internet more so than ever, and um, join now from somewhere back east, I'm not even sure where she is, Shauna Douglas, and she fits the Inspiring Women Among Us um, from both sides of things. Good morning, Shauna. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. Where exactly are you calling from? I'm in Winnipeg. Winterpeg? Yeah, yeah. Although it's not too bad today. We're we're above zero, so we're doing a little bit better than Prince George. Oh, sure. Rub it in. Rub it in. <laughs> I know you guys don't get the chance too often, so <laughs> that's right. But when I was talking with Annie Booth, one of the organizers of the Inspiring Women Among Us, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the fact that the title can be taken two ways. We're looking at the inspiring women who are among us, but we're also inspiring the women among us. And you fit in both of those roles, really, don't you? Well, it's certainly with the workshops I'm going to be delivering this year. Um, I'm, I'm giving two workshops. One is on Monday, November 23rd, uh, over the noon hour from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and it's about how mentoring can build community, how in all different sectors, mentorship can be key to sharing skills, sharing resources, and lifting each other up. So, as you said, inspiring women amongst us. And I'm going to talk about the history of mentorship and, and what works and what doesn't work, and, and it'll be 
hopefully a workshop that's useful for people who work in all different areas who want to kind of uh, build strengths in their communities. And then the next day, on Tuesday, November 24th, I'm giving a two-hour workshop in the evening from 7 to 9, um, and it's really going to focus on the arts, the way in which uh, visual arts mentorships can uh, help individuals, but also administrators in the field and how we can grow strength in our sector through mentorship. And it's supported by Two Rivers Art Gallery, which is one of my favorite places in the world. So I'm really happy to be working with them again. Okay, so that, uh, you sort of stole the thunder for my next question. I take it this is not your first visit to Prince George then? No, it isn't. Um, and I've, you know, luckily for me, I've, I've been in Prince George a couple of times when Inspiring Women Among Us has been going on. So I've got to enjoy it as an audience member, um, and I also uh, had the honor of presenting an artist talk at the Omnica Art Center okay. uh, one year as, as part of Inspiring Women Among Us. And people may not know, what is your connection to the arts? Like, what form of the arts are you involved in? I'm primarily a performance artist, although I've made a lot of video, um, some installations, some public art, and I've curated a fair bit, all in collaboration with another artist named Lori Milan. Uh, so, so I'm a, a practitioner, hmm. but I'm also the co-executive director of MAWA, Mentoring Artists for Women's Art. So we're an arts organization that specializes in mentorship, and uh, and we have a 36-year history of mentorship in the Winnipeg community and beyond. Wow. So, what got you into mentoring? I was first a participant in a MAWA mentorship program. I was interested in curating exhibitions, mm -hmm. and there was a mentor who was mentoring who was a very um, esteemed and experienced curator, and I applied to work with her, and, and luckily I I got to work with her, and then building on that experience, I've gone on to curate independently throughout North America and also for a time as adjunct curator at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. So it really launched me into that field of curation, organizing exhibitions by other artists. Did you find, as you started to move into that, did you find it tough sometimes to juggle that and your work as a performance artist? Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> you know, the, the the struggle for every artist in this country is making a living yeah. and balancing how to carve out time for your work that's, um, you know, not always remunerated <laughs> and balancing that with... Uh, you know, our, our physical needs in the world. So, yeah, for sure, it's been very hard. And I definitely, since I've started working at MAWA, I've been less active as an artist. But I feel like I had many, many opportunities as a, long, as a young artist. And I was able to uh, perform and get my work out there internationally, and I'm very grateful for that. And now at this phase in my life, Working here at Maui is a way to create opportunities for other artists. 
so they can do those exciting things that I have done. So could you, and I don't know how politically correct this term is, could you be seen as almost like the grand dame of the Manitoba arts community? Oh, gosh. I don't know if anybody would would call me that. <laughs> I don't know. Or the, the grand dame or the petite jester. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work, and I, I hope that work has paved the way for others. And that's really what mentorship is about. It's, it's about uh, creating a, a legacy of knowledge and learning. Now, who were your mentors? Like, did you have anybody thinking back who served as a mentor, even if they weren't part of a mentoring group? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely had some professors at university who made a huge difference mm -hmm. in my life. Um, then, as I say, I, I was mentored at Mala by a, a curator named Renee Bart, but also informal mentorship. People in my life who uh, have helped Helped me realize my ambitions and my goals, who believed in me, listened to me, and who said, you can do this. Okay. We are going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you some more about mentoring and what it's all about after sure. that. Christmas is coming, and the Electra Women's Choir is bringing their annual Shea New concert right to your house. This year, Shea Vu, Christmas with Electra, is a one-hour online special featuring favorite tracks from Electra's Christmas CDs. Shea Vu will be broadcast live at 3 on Sunday, November 29th. For full details and an invitation preview, visit their concert page at electra.ca. Shea Vu, Christmas with Electra, Sunday, November 23rd at 3 on Facebook. Construction is underway on the expansion of the mausoleum at Memorial Park Cemetery. Construction of this new facility will require periodic disruption of access to the mausoleum. To keep informed about the project and possible facility closures or hour changes, subscribe to Facilities, Updates and Closures at princegeorge.ca. Further information and details about the Mausoleum Phase 2 expansion can also be found on the city's website. The expansion of the mausoleum is expected to be completed by early next year. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has extended their weekly Wednesday webinars into November. Topics include a wide range of challenges faced by those afflicted by Alzheimer's and the people caring for those with dementia. The topic of the next presentation is preparing for the holidays during COVID-19. That's the next Alzheimer's Society of BC educational webinar today from 2 to 3. To register or for more information, visit alzbc.org webinars. The Red Chamber Cultural Society is presenting a series of online sessions for female music artists. The 2020 Emergence Mentorship Program is led by women performers covering the skills and knowledge needed for a successful career. The final presentation in this series of free interactive workshops is Keeping My Head and Heart, The Art of Being an Artist, 10 a.m. Saturday, November 28th. To register or for more information, visit emergencebc.org. The final 2020 Emergence Mentorship Workshop, November 28th, at emergencebc.org. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Shauna, obviously a fair bit has changed over the last few months, especially for uh, the performing arts. Have you 
been able to do very many mentoring workshops in person, or has most of your stuff the last few months been online? Um, oh, like, you know, every organization and business in the country, we really pretty much shut down late March and April. Uh, we were able to do some programming online. Mm-hmm. And then Manitoba started opening up in May, and we were able to have small group uh, workshops and meetings, which was great. But we're, I don't know if you know, we're in a, a really rough COVID situation right now. Uh, I mean, we, we've got the highest COVID rates in the country at the moment. And so we're really in a hard lockdown again, and we've moved all of our programming online. Okay. So the workshops you're doing here, though, are going to be in person. And I'm guessing that's something that do you, I'm thinking you probably prefer to do it in person where you can actually see and read the body language as much as anything else. Oh, live, live is always the best. Um, we're able to share our humanness when we're together in space. We're sharing the expressions on our faces, we're sharing space, we're sharing air, but that's something that can't happen right now. And it, actually, my workshops in Prince George are not going to be in person. They're oh. going to be online. Okay. Yeah, I. It's not. Um, it's not safe for somebody from Manitoba to come to your community okay. right now. <laughs> so you will be doing them online, and. I guess the good thing about doing something like that online, though, is it doesn't restrict the audience size too much, does it? That's right. And it also means that people from not just Prince George, but through BC and even other parts of Canada are welcome to join in if they like. So do I'm thinking if you would be doing the workshop in Prince George, would you have tailored it a little bit more towards Prince George and this area? Um, you know, I'm still very much aware that I'm I'm presenting this workshop for folks in Prince George, mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to be the, the bulk of the participants. Uh, but, you know, that said... The experts in a community and who what needs to be done in that community are the people who live and work there, and and that's not me. So I'm I'm also looking forward to learning more about what's happening in Prince George, what has worked in the past, what hasn't, and what some of the challenges are, and if there's ways that mentorship could be used to address those challenges. Are you going to have the chance during the Inspiring Women Among Us conference, I guess I'll call it, are you going to take the chance to take part in some of the other workshops that they're going to be offering? I'm certainly going to try. I've got the <laughs> schedule up in front of me right now. And uh, I'm looking at, uh, you know, uh, the things that are happening. And I'm like, oh, free coffee and tea at Café Voltaire. I can't mm, do that. No. But, <laughs> you know, have you been to Café Voltaire? Yes, I have. Oh, great little place, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many things about Prince George I love. It's mm-hmm. it's the perfect size city and just such a stunning location. Yeah. So the two workshops you're offering then, the mentoring workshop on November the 23rd and then the mentoring workshop for artists on November the 24th, 
the mentoring workshop for artists, is that like a totally separate two hours or will part of that be going over some of the stuff you did in the workshop the day before? I'm going to try my darndest to keep it separate because mm-hmm. I don't want um, to be redundant. Yeah. You know, if people want to attend both, I want to make sure it's interesting and engaging and informative for them if they do. Um, that said, I'm, I'm not exactly sure who's going to attend. <laughs> and if it's a whole different crew of folks on Tuesday, I might repeat some material just to provide context. Yeah. So now I'm thinking for both these workshops, it occurs to me, again, one of the things Annie Booth said a couple of weeks ago was, of course, it's inspiring women among us, but it's open to everyone. At workshops like this, how often do you see men show up for them? Because it's something that can apply to men just as easily as women. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and even at Malach, even though the word women is Mm -hmm. in our name, we're... inclusive of all genders in almost all of our programming and we have male members as well so i would encourage anybody who's interested in mentorship whatever your gender to join in either of these workshops it's it's not going to be uh strictly gender-based and it's analysis and it's presentation and it's focus so they're each two hours. Have you got sort of a schedule in the back of your mind in terms of, okay, I'm going to be doing sort of like a quasi-lecture for the first hour and then we'll open things up, or is it going to be right from the word go back and forth? It's going to be from the word go back and forth. There will be sections where I, you know, I talk more, but I will also um, be calling on people to participate, to share their experiences, to share their ideas. And so now these people, they don't know ahead of time that you're going to be calling on them, do they? No, but of course, I'm, you know, I'm not going to uh, embarrass anybody. It'll be, it'll be voluntary. It won't be uh, <laughs> mandated. Okay. So you'll be asking, so you might be saying, okay, I want somebody to talk to me about an experience that they've had. Da, da, da. Can, can you just put up your hands or something just to indicate who's willing to talk? And then you pick somebody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, or or note it in the chat function because we're mm. online. Yeah. So how much, how tough is it to keep something like this to two hours? Oh, you know, it, it's a topic I could probably talk about for days um, mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm quite passionate about it, and uh, I, I have through my work at Mala, I have many sort of lived experiences, many examples mm-hmm. that I could share. So it's it's one of my challenges to to rein myself in and, and to keep it focused. It's also difficult online hanging out or online education. There's not the same um, flow and there's not the same kind of fellowship that comes from gathering together yeah. in a real room and real space. So two hours online is actually quite a bit of time. Okay. So you don't see that being a problem. If anything, you might be sort of looking for that third or fourth person from the audience to talk to something that already has been talked about. Oh, you know, I don't think we're going to run out of things to talk about for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so again, you've got the two workshops coming up. Now, 
do you know offhand what is the policy? Like, are the are the workshops free? They are free. Okay. Yep, and there's um, on the poster. There's a ac- online access code. Huh? Um, there's also a Facebook event for both workshops, mm-hmm. and that has information about how to join in the workshop. Okay, so. It sounds like it's going to be quite the time. It's a shame that you can't come out and visit us, but uh, lens the breaks. It is. It is a shame. I know I've got favorite restaurants and mm-hmm. favorite shops and favorite people I would have liked to have seen in Prince George. But oh well, maybe next year. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's a. It's a big country we're in, and we're so dependent on travel to keep you know keep us connected, yeah. but. Uh, Hopefully that'll be possible soon. Okay. Shauna Douglas, who will be here for Inspiring Women Among Us next Monday and Tuesday, presenting a couple of workshops on mentoring. Thank you very much for taking the time this morning. Oh, you're welcome. And my name is Dempsey, actually, oh, not Dempsey. Douglas. Sheesh. Yeah, Shauna Dempsey. Okay. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Oh, that's all right. Okay. You know, we can we can correct on the fly. It's yes. good. Thank you very much for taking the time. Okay, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The Prince George Chamber of Commerce and Scotiabank are presenting an online look ahead with our local elected officials. During the noon hour, November 23rd to 26th, join in for a look ahead with MP Todd Doherty, MLA Shirley Bond and Mike Morris, and the Mayor of Prince George, Lynn Hall. One elected official each day to look back at the year that was and ahead for the year to come. To register, visit pgchamber.bc.ca. A look ahead with our elected officials, November 23rd to 26th with your Chamber of Commerce at pgchamber.bc.ca. The Canadian Centre for Occupational Health and Safety has some tips for people operating a restaurant during the current pandemic. Among the suggestions, promote home delivery, pre-ordering or curbside pickup. Use signs and markings to control the flow of people in the restaurant. Limit the number of customers allowed in at one time and provide a waiting area outside with markers designated safe physical distancing. And remove large condiment containers from tables, replacing them with single-use items. For more tips on pandemic-related health and safety, go to ccohs.ca. Alban Classical has an activity the whole family can enjoy together. It's their multi-generational band. Tuesday evenings at 5.30, join in for an hour of musical fun led by some of our city's top classical musicians. Participation is free, but you must register. There's a limited number of instruments available for use on a first-come, first-served basis. To register, call Alban Classical at 250-563-4693. Multi-generational band presented by Alban Classical, 532 Tuesday evenings at First Baptist Church. Forecast from Environment Canada, a mix of sun and cloud today. Winds from the north at 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon. A high of minus 1 with a wind chill to minus 10. Tonight cloudy with a few flurries, gusting north winds continuing. A low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 14. For Thursday, a few flurries in the morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind to 15K, a high of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we've got now uh, Ron Palillo, who is the Vice President of the Italian Club of Prince George. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Alan. How are you? Not too bad. And yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. Okay, so now the name of the club seems to be fairly straightforward, but what is the Italian club? Like, do you have to demonstrate Italian heritage going back five generations to join? (laughs) 
Uh, no, I mean, really, the uh, the purpose of uh, the Italian club is uh, to celebrate, uh, remember, and uh, to um, really, um, um, you know, um, uh, to the community, show the Italian uh, culture and heritage. Um, and um, we, um, you, you don't have to be uh, Italian first, second, or third generation. We do offer what's called associate memberships. Oh. So uh, you too, Alan, could join as an associate membership. Um, and we've been selling those for a few years, where you have every right to participate in every event we have. Um, the only difference between an associate membership and a, and a general club membership is that uh, you couldn't vote at our AGM, but it entitles you to do everything else that a member would be. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, I mean, really, um, like uh, other service clubs and cultural clubs, um, you know, in B.C. and across uh, Canada and North America, you know, we realize that, you know, it's been a challenge for a lot of us um, uh, to maintain membership and increase membership. So uh, we know... This is a way to reach out to people of uh, non-Italian descent and say, hey, come join us, find out what we do and uh, celebrate our heritage and uh, have some fun. So mm-hmm. that's one way we're trying to do that by uh, selling uh, associate memberships. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that, um, because you were talking about a lot of uh, cultural groups and people like that having trouble keeping memberships up, Another thing they've been having trouble with the last few months, obviously, COVID-19. Now, how did COVID affect the Italian club? So I'm thinking, you guys, Italians are known as people who love to get together and socialize. Yeah, well, uh, like uh, everyone in the world, um, COVID uh, has dramatically impacted the club and our activities and uh, what we uh, did in uh, 2020, or, or quite frankly, what we didn't do. Mm. Um, and uh, so um, we're slowly getting the club back uh, with some activities, and then we hopefully, um, with promising news of uh, vaccines and vaccination in early 2021, we're hoping, obviously, to um, increase the activity um, uh, next year. Um, but uh, essentially, um, we, you know, we shut down the club uh, for a good six months where where nothing happened um and um financially you know like um other organizations and businesses and personally that really impacted us um but uh, luckily um we actually own the building uh, downtown at fifth and uh, dominion right and uh, we do have uh, some long-term tenants there and um that really sustained uh, the running and the operation of the club and paying the bills is by having those three tenants uh, in our facilities. So we were actually very lucky and blessed to, to have that. But, um, you know, essentially when COVID hit, um, it actually canceled our AGM that we had planned um, for late February and March. Mm-hmm. So we've delayed that um, till uh, spring of next year, hopefully. And um, if it's not possible to do it in person, then we will have a virtual online option. And uh, so we decided as a group when we got together in the fall that uh, we wanted to continue with our very popular uh, holiday pastel mm-hmm. meatball sale because I know mm-hmm. the community really enjoys it. We enjoy 
uh, putting it on. And quite frankly, it's a, it's a big fundraiser for the Prince George Italian Club. So, um, you know, that's the, the main focus of uh, uh, what we've been doing for the last um, couple months. And uh, we hope that uh, this Sunday, uh, 1 to 4, is, um, is a good turnout. And we are following... Um, all the uh, provincial health uh, protocols, mm-hmm. and um, and you know we can go uh, into that more detail here momentarily. Yeah, because I'm guessing that is then going to be operated out of your meeting room. I guess I would call it at Fifth and Dominion. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, we uh, own the building of Fifth and mm-hmm. Dominion, and we have um, a banquet space and a bar and a kitchen and. Um, uh, so what we plan to do, um, and we've discussed this at uh, great length, is uh, basically we're going to have like a walk-up format. Um, so you, uh, we will, we will have uh, basically our front door open. Uh, and what people have done in the past is um, they've uh, actually waited outside because usually we have quite a, a lineup, and when we open the doors at uh, one o'clock. Um, and we just thought, um, following all health protocols and, and trying to, you know, physically distance and encourage people to wear masks, is that we'll have, uh, to our best of our ability, get people to kind of socially distance in uh, line in front of mm-hmm. uh, our door at Fifth and Dominion. And then you basically walk up, order what you want, um, and then um, pay for it in cash, and then we'll bring it to you, and you walk away with... Um, you walk away with some great homemade uh, food for the uh, holidays. So Italian food, there's what I believe the most current count was twenty three million four hundred sixty seven thousand seven hundred forty two different types of Italian food. I'm guessing you're not presenting all of those. No, uh, we're going to have a, a very uh, small and uh, really delicious menu. Uh, so what we've done in the uh, in the past is we've sold. Um, um, lasagnas, uh, meatballs, uh, and gnocchi, and sauce. So what we've decided to do this year is actually um, change it up a bit. Um, we've, uh, based on some uh, feedback uh, from uh, our great uh, clients over the years, we've decided to uh, feature what we call pasta al forno. Uh, it's a ba- basically baked pasta, so that'll be on the menu. So there'll be a baked pasta. There's a medium size and then a small size. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be selling uh, meatballs. Um, these are all uh, homemade, uh, ten in a pack. Um, we will be selling homemade gnocchi in a in uh, in a bag, mm-hmm. uh, frozen, and then sauce. We've made some homemade sauce. Um, so all these prices will be uh, clearly uh, marked when you arrive there, and then you tell us uh, what you would like. Uh, we will. Um, grab it um, from our uh, freezer and uh, give it to you and uh, you you walk away with some great food and um, it is a you know a good great way for us to uh, do some uh, fundraising so uh, um, that's uh, that's the menu um, is um, baked pasta meatballs gnocchi and um, sauce Okay, Ron, we're going to have to go to a quick break, but don't go anywhere because I want to talk some more about the Italian Club and the pasta sale after nine. The Maker Lab at Two Rivers Gallery has reopened. If you're wanting to attend with a group of more than four people, you're asked to call ahead as there is limited seating. You're also asked to call ahead if you're booking time with a weaver or wood turner or working on the laser cutter and engraver or 3D printer. 
To book your space or time, call Two Rivers Gallery at 250-614-7800. The Maker Lab, now open at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Ooh, big hit on the boards. Never mind the hip check. Looks like it's time for a gut check. Western University, the Prince George Cougars, and the YMCA of Northern BC present Hockey Fans in Training, a free program for men 35 to 65 who love the Cougars and are looking to lose weight and get fit. Hockey Fit is a three-month off-ice program that promotes a healthier lifestyle. Go behind the scenes in the arena and receive training from certified Hockey Fit coaches. To join Hockey Fit, visit HockeyFansInTraining.org. If you made a compensation claim for abuse at an Indian residential school, the records of your claim are secure. They will be destroyed in September 2027, unless you choose to keep them or share them. To learn more, call toll-free 1-877-635-2648 or go to myrecordsmychoice.com. The BC Chamber of Commerce has commenced its search for their next president and CEO. Led by national executive search firm Leaders International, the selected candidate will be a visionary leader who will help shape and support a prosperous future for businesses in BC. Those interested in seeing the BC Chamber of Commerce president-CEO job opportunity profile are encouraged to visit bcchamber.org careers. The BC Chamber Board anticipates announcing their new CEO early in the new year. It's after nine on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So Ron, before the break, we were talking about the pasta sale coming up this weekend, and you were saying that you'd been, the group had been planning it for the last couple of weeks, during the last couple of months, the Italian club. Is that as much time as you would normally have for it, or did the fact you didn't have other events going on kind of give you a little bit more time to work on this one? Um, yeah, actually, uh, we um, have spent a little more time uh, to uh, plan, and uh, because of the special nature of it and COVID, uh, we needed more time uh, to really think about how we were going to do this in a safe way. So um, uh, I think uh, people that will come uh, will see um, that it'll be very uh, organized and safe, and um, we'll be able to, like I say, get some uh, great homemade food. Italian food for the holidays and uh, support um, support the work that the Italian club does in the community, um, you know, throughout the year. And you know, and I should mention, Alan, that the the Italian club uh, has been around for for many many years. Um, uh, and actually, um, really, you can you can go back, um, you know, probably seventy or eighty years where there's been gatherings of the Italian culture. Mm-hmm and Italian groups here in Prince George, but the club was actually uh, formed in uh, 1969. So we, um, we've actually been in existence for, you know, well over uh, 50 years. Um, And um, a couple of years ago, maybe some people may have, uh, um, some people may remember that uh, we teamed up with the Prince George uh, Symphony Orchestra to bring in a very classical Mm-hmm. Um, Italian trio called O Solo Trio, mm-hmm. and they came in and uh, um, did a great sold-out show for us at the Prince George Playhouse uh, a couple of years ago to actually celebrate our 50th anniversary. 
Um, so those are kind of some of the events that we've been trying to do a little bit on the larger scale. So we do everything from events like that to uh, Italian meetup classes as well, too. We have one of our um, members, um, Anna Manetta, who for several years, but uh, in the last few years, has been uh, uh, doing an Italian meetup group um, uh, up and you know, before COVID, they actually met in person, but now they're actually meeting uh, every Thursday, and uh, basically it's a fun way to learn a little bit of the Italian language. And so those are, that's one of the services that uh, we offer as well, too, as a kind of a fun way to uh, learn the Italian language as well. So um, besides the, uh, the pasta sale and putting out special events, we also do um, uh, language um, uh, learning as well, too, the Italian language. So a very um, a diverse uh, group, and we, uh, we we try to try to offer as many diverse um, activities and programs that we can. So now, with the pasta sale, are you anticipating you may have more pasta and meatballs, gnocchi, and sauce than you might normally? Because people might have a little bit more time to do it at home, because there's not much going on. Yeah, um, we've uh, we've this year we have made more quantities uh, than in previous mm-hmm. years, anticipating more demand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, you know, in in years previous, uh, what we have do uh, what we have seen is um, you know some of our items sell out quickly. Um, so we have in the past uh, taken orders uh, from those people, and if there's enough demand, we'll actually go and, and make more and fulfill those orders. But we don't really know until we actually do the sale and see what the demand is. And because, you know, this sale is very unique with, with COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, um, we're, uh, we don't really know what to expect. Uh, like I say, in previous years, the demand has been uh, very large. Um, and like I say, we've had, um, you know, lineups of uh, 15 to 20 people, 25 people before we even open the doors at one o'clock to come in to uh, grab um, and purchase the food. So um, we'll we'll, we'll see what uh, um, Sunday will uh, will bring, but we anticipate it'll, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be um, uh, well attended and um, uh, I think it'll be a, a really good event for everybody. Now, just um, one point I wasn't as quickly clear out then from the sounds of things. The way you're describing it is it's going to be, you're going to be serving one person at a time inside. No, actually what we're planning to do is uh, we're planning to um, actually um, have um, everyone stay outside and then basically you walk up to the door Kind of like a, a drive-through, right. but you're not driving up; you're walking. <laughs> so you'll walk up. We'll meet you right at the door there, and uh, we'll have a table right across there to make sure no one enters. And then one at a time, people will come up, place their order. We will grab your order. You'll pay. You'll um, you'll you'll grab. You know, you'll take home the, the pasta, the meatballs, the gnocchi, and then uh, that person will leave, and then the second person will 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 come up so depending on demand uh we may do that two at a time but um that's our plan right now uh we're trying to keep everything as safe as possible and as efficient as possible we ask people to be patient um you know especially at the beginning we're anticipating you know that uh, there will be um you know a few people there uh waiting to go so but as long as everyone dresses for the weather Mm. and um 
you know, uh, we'll get through people as quickly as we can. And um, I think it'll be very efficient and uh, very quick and safe for everybody. So that's what we're planning to do. Okay, so Ron, one more time, when and where for the pasta sale? So the, it's the Prince George Italian Club, um, a very popular holiday pasta and meatball sale. It's this Sunday, November 22nd. Uh, starting at 1 o'clock at the Italian Club. We're easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, we're downtown at the corner of 5th and Dominion, uh, right across the street from, uh, um, you know, the um, um, uh, uh, the sewing store. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find us right down there. It's the Heritage Building. Uh, it's the Italian flag. You'll see it there. Um, and like I say, uh, the menu this year will feature um, uh, pasta al forno, uh, meatballs, gnocchi and sauce and uh, we ask everyone to be patient and um, dress warmly um, please wear a mask uh, physically distance and uh, like I say we'll have that walk up format where you can place your order and we'll bring it to you great Ron Palolo with the Italian Club of Prince George thanks very much for taking the time to talk about the pasta sale and I'm feeling hungry all of a sudden yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, maybe I might have some uh, meatballs and pasta for for lunch today. But thank you to you, Alan, and CFIS uh, for uh, promoting our uh, our club and uh, our pasta sale this Sunday. No problem. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. Okay, that'll about do it for today's show. I believe Echo is in tomorrow after nine. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is CFIS 93.1 FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like Theatre Northwest. For the current schedule and tickets, visit theaternorthwest.com.